Welcome to the Influence and Impact Podcast for Female Leaders. My name's Carla Miller, and I'm a leadership coach who helps female leaders to tackle self-doubt, become brilliant at influencing, and make more impact at work. I've created this podcast to help you to become a more inspiring and impactful leader. And I want to become the leadership BFF you didn't know you were missing until now. In this episode, I'll be looking at how you can disagree with people who are more senior than you without it damaging your career. There are these unspoken rules about the world of work that most of us buy into without even questioning. And one of those rules is that we don't say no to our line manager or disagree with senior stakeholders. As a result, people end up frustrated, overworked and demotivated because they've never learned how to challenge the thinking of senior stakeholders without challenging their authority. They've never learned how to effectively speak truth to power. In this episode of the Influence and Impact for Female Leaders podcast, I'll be showing you how you can disagree with someone in authority without negatively impacting your career or your relationship with them. Whether you're dealing with your line manager, your senior management team, or your board, you'll find practical insights you can use to learn how to challenge in a constructive and career-building way. I've used and shared these tools for people operating at manager level, director level, chief exec level, and even board level. So there's some really practical tools in here for you. So let's dive in. I have a bit of a split personality when it comes to challenging authority. As a youngster, I had a bit of a reputation for challenging authority, despite being this really quiet, shy girl who was very eager to please and hated to do things wrong. I um, got thrown out of Crusaders, which is a church group, and I got thrown out of guides for, um, they would call it being cheeky, but actually what I was doing was challenging what someone in authority was saying when I didn't necessarily respect them and I didn't think what they were saying was fair. And later in my career, I was called a constructive agitator. So I clearly worked on my methods a bit by then in that I was good at identifying how things could be improved and challenging the status quo, but in a way that felt positive and constructive. And then later, I've become a change maker. I used to go into organizations that weren't working and turn them around. And in order to do that, you have to be prepared to have those difficult discussions with people that are more senior than you. And when I coach people, I find that people tend to fall into two camps on this issue. Camp one is that you never say no to people senior than you. You say yes to everything, basically, and you feel very uncomfortable in any way challenging the thinking of someone more senior than you. The other camp, are perhaps you're, you're in this camp where you are frequently challenging authority, but that's not really going that well for you. It's leading to tension in your relationships. Potentially, it's damaging your career and your personal brand as well, because perhaps you're not doing it in quite the right way. So, Whichever camp you're in, I've got some advice to help you with today. So let's start with camp one, where you are generally saying yes to everything. 
And there is this myth that you do have to say yes to everything, yes to all the extra work, yes to the projects that actually you think are low priority, yes to decisions related to your area which would negatively impact your team. And as a result, it's very easy to end up feeling quite disempowered and with no sense of agency or control over your area. I feel like this is a hangover from that 80s style of very authoritarian directive leadership that should have been phased out just like the shoulder pads that went with it. And you do still see pockets of this. You do still see individuals in organizations that still have a very authoritarian style and would be extremely challenged if you said no to them. But as a general rule, any decent manager or leader will be open to different opinions if they are presented in a constructive, positive, and well thought through manner. And that's what we want to help you do today. Because inspiring and impactful leaders are able to constructively challenge when they need to. They know how to influence upwards and sideways, and they're better able to negotiate their team's workload, to persuade senior stakeholders to look again at decisions, and actually they're better able to have a seat at that decision-making table in the first place. And this challenging authority Um, or or challenging people in authority, their thinking, disagreeing with people more senior than you. It's absolutely a matter of influencing. Influencing is the way that you do that in a really positive way and not a destructive or disruptive way. Um, And it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate that every manager and leader needs to learn how to influence effectively if they want to do their job well and if they want to develop in their careers. Now, just to be clear, I'm not talking about challenging their authority. I'm not talking about disrespecting the hierarchy at all. You can put forward a different viewpoint to a board member, chief exec, a director, without disrespecting them or disrespecting their authority as the ultimate decision maker. And so you have to do it in that context. And that's where camp two often falls down. If you are naturally prone to challenging authority, then you may actually be being seen as challenging somebody's actual authority, somebody's responsibility to make the decisions. You may be seen to not be respecting hierarchy, their title, them as a person. And and it's very important that you do do that, that you are able to disagree without trying to overhaul the whole hierarchy of the organization. What I'm going to share with you now are my nine strategies for success when it comes to disagreeing with people more senior than you. So there's some really practical tips for you here. So the first one is make sure you actually do respect their authority. They have accountability. They have responsibility for the decisions that are being made and the consequences of those decisions. And they're often considering a number of different perspectives. And the more senior you are, the more likely it is that you can see the bigger picture because you have line of sight of more of the organization. And it's worth remembering that it's much easier to argue for a case from your perspective and really believe you're right than it is to see all of the perspectives and have ultimate responsibility for the decision. And I learned that when I moved into a chief exec role. 
as a director of fundraising and marketing, I was convinced I was right. I thought I was seeing the bigger picture, but I just knew what the right decision was. When I moved into a chief exec role, I realized things really aren't that simple. I didn't always know what the right decision was. I didn't always have the data that I needed. And so it's really important that you acknowledge that ultimately, whether you agree with it or not, the decision sits with this person more senior than you. That has to be the underlying context of the conversation you're having. Because if they feel like you don't respect their hierarchy, you don't respect the decisions that they're making, don't respect them as a person, you are just going to alienate them. And it's almost impossible to influence someone that you have already alienated. So that's number one. Make sure you actually do respect their authority. Point number two is to build your relationship with them. So I have this six-step model of influencing, and the first couple of steps are related to building a good relationship with the people you want to influence and understanding where they're coming from. If someone likes you, if you have built some kind of rapport, some kind of connection, if they feel like you do actually like them and care about them as a person, then they are just more inclined to listen to you. And if you have built some form of relationship with them, then you will have gathered some information about them, which will enable you to communicate what you're trying to communicate in their language rather than in your language. And that's absolutely crucial for influencing. So step two, build your relationship with these people. Step three, pick your battles. So don't disagree with everything. That's not constructive. That's just really annoying. And you definitely don't want to get a reputation as somebody who disagrees with everything. If you disagree with everything that is happening above you, you're in the wrong organization for you. The fit just isn't there. It's not aligned with your values. It's time to start looking somewhere else. And so, and equally, if you disagree with everything that your manager is doing, then I think it's, it's time to take a step back and Think about whether you want to work for this person or not. And if you do want to keep working for them, resetting your attitude towards them. Because if in your head you're thinking they're wrong and they don't know what they're doing, then again, it's going to be almost impossible to influence them and to succeed in your role. So pick your battles. Identify, is this something that is worth using up some of my social capital on? Is this a battle where if I win it, it's really going to be worth it? And is it a battle that I can win? There may be some things that actually you feel quite strongly about, but you know that all the cards are stacked against you. You know that there is no way that someone's going to change their mind, in which case you can put your, your point forward and you absolutely have the right to do that. But I wouldn't go all out on pushing that point if you know that you cannot win that point. When it comes to disagreeing, Pick the things where actually you have got a chance to to win, to persuade them, and pick the things where it makes a real difference if you do. Okay, point four, be solution-focused wherever possible. I am not encouraging you to complain. I am not encouraging you to just say a flat no to everything that your line manager, your chief exec, your board members are asking you to do. What I am encouraging you to do is to be confident in putting forward alternative solutions to solve problems, to be confident in reframing ways of looking at things. 
And so we've got for point five, some useful phrases that you could use to do that. One useful phrase is to start by saying, if we looked at this another way, and then explain your alternative viewpoint. You can even say, can I offer an alternative perspective? And that asking it as a question, it's actually really hard for someone to say, no, I don't want to hear your alternative perspective that you just nicely asked if you can offer. That's a, um, a really nice way of doing it. Another thing you could say is, I have an alternative option I'd like to run past you. Would you be open to hearing it? Would you like to hear it? Those softeners at the end are about respecting authority because if you just say, I have an alternative option in that way, that does not inspire people to listen to you. If you say, I've got an alternative option, I'd like to run past you, then people are open to that. So it's about not putting people's backs up in the way that you're communicating. Another thing to do when you're disagreeing with someone more senior than you is try and avoid the word but. So I hear a lot of people say, yes, but, and then make their completely different point. What you want to do more of is to say, yes, and, so that you'll seem to be building on what they've already said. You seem to be acknowledging that there is value in what they've said, um, and you're seen as much more constructive. So, for example, when you have a brainstorm, you're always encouraged to take an idea that's there and say yes and build on it. But it also works well when your line manager or a senior decision maker or a board member makes a point that you disagree with to be able to say yes and we also could benefit from looking at it from this perspective or Yes, and an alternative way to look at that could be, again, it just smooths the path for that discussion. But point seven, there will be times when decisions really matter and you are losing the argument. When um, someone in decision-making role, someone more senior than you, has or is making a decision that is really going to affect you and your team and you absolutely know is wrong and you're probably not going to change their mind but this one is a real deal breaker and so I have a great phrase that you can use in that situation and and it's a phrase I have used in the past and I'll tell you a little bit a little bit about that in a moment but basically the phrase is I wouldn't be doing my job properly if I didn't make sure you understood the potential consequences of that decision. So again, you are still respecting the fact it is their decision to make, but you are making sure that they are making it from an informed basis and that you have done your job in terms of reflecting the consequences. So I want to use this in a room of a couple of hundred women who have come from all over the world And they were trustees, it was a strange setup, but they were trustees of an international organization. And they were making decisions about fundraising targets and budgets going forward. And I had been brought on as an interim, working a couple of days a week to um, help to grow the fundraising of the organization. Uh, I had put forward my budget and my suggestions, and what they wanted to do was completely ignore it and basically double the target. And they were absolutely dead set on that. 
And I was really quite astounded by the conversations that were going on in the room from my perspective. I'm sure they had their own way of looking at it. Um, and all these conversations were going on and it really wasn't my place to speak. I had presented my bit and it was time for their discussion. But it was clear where the decision was going. I think that there were other people in the room, my colleagues, who did not feel as comfortable speaking truth to power as I did, who had more to lose in that situation because I was an interim. And I used exactly that phrase. I asked to speak, I stood up, and I basically said, I wouldn't be doing my job properly if I didn't make sure you understood the potential consequences of that decision. Because the consequences of that particular decision were huge. They were going to budget based on money that wasn't going to come in. They were going to leave themselves with a massive hole in the budget um, and out of pocket. And it was going to be absolutely disastrous. I can't say that I was particularly popular at that board meeting. However, the decision did go my way in the end. And I was really relieved about that because... I would have felt like I hadn't done my job properly if I hadn't made them understand the flaws in the plan that they had because I was coming with with expertise and had spent a lot of time developing those plans. And they weren't talking about tweaking them. They were talking about completely ignoring them. And I got a lot of respect actually also from people in the room and from my colleagues for that ability to speak truth to power and in a way that people would listen to. So if you're really stuck that's a good phrase to use. My eighth point is that you don't need to apologize for having a different opinion. So often I will see people disagreeing with someone more senior than them and they'll start by saying, I'm sorry, but I don't agree. I don't think you need to apologize for having a different decision. You've been hired for your expertise. It's about putting forward that opinion with ease and grace so that it doesn't create tension. You don't need to apologize for the content of it. You just need to deliver it in a way that doesn't create tension and is seen as helping to move the conversation forward. And that brings me to my final point, point nine. Tone is everything. No one wants to be known as spiky, um, negative, challenging, or difficult um, a troublemaker. I think sometimes some people whose heart are in the right place who are making brilliant points can get labeled that way. And unfortunately, I do see that happen to women a lot more often. I think that we can, if we are labeled as aggressive, it is seen as a very negative thing, whilst it is not necessarily seen as a negative thing in men. I am generally not a fan of being aggressive anyway, but I am a fan of making your point in a strong manner. And so tone, and hopefully I've given you some examples here that give you an indication of tone. So you're not going for super apologetic and groveling as if you have no right to have an opinion, but you're also not going for challenging them and their authority. You're going for constructively challenging the thinking that's going on. There are also some things that you can do long-term when it comes to setting the boundaries and disagreeing with people more senior than you. One of them is if you are someone who is always saying yes to everything your manager throws at you and you're finding yourself overwhelmed and overworked, start by just setting some clear boundaries. So start by not automatically making your response yes. Have a think about it. You could say, can I think about how that sits with what else I've got going on? 
And can I think about the practicalities behind that and then come back to you to discuss it further? And just start setting boundaries more clearly generally. For example, don't respond to emails that are sent at night. If they want to send you an email at night, they want to work at night, well, that's up to them. But you don't have to respond. So you don't have to be at the immediate beck and call of your managers at all times to be doing your job well. If you are being asked to take on work and you genuinely don't think that you or your team can take on that workload, a sentence that I have used in the past and I recommend others use is, that sounds great. I've got these other priorities. Where does it fit with those priorities? Can we discuss that? So that you and the person handing the work to you are in agreement about where it fits. You can also say, that's great. My team is at capacity at the moment. We're, we're working flat out at the moment. So if we take that on, what would you suggest that we put on hold in order to be able to do that? And again, tone is really important on that one. But the message is, we are not an endless resource. Um, because I think what I see happening a lot is that people at middle management level, and sometimes people at senior management level, are treated as if they are an endless resource. And this work just filters down to you. You say yes to it all. You want to protect your team and you can't make your team work super hard. So it all just sits and piles up on you. And then you're either exhausted and overworked or you feel like you're failing because you've set yourself up for an impossible task. And so it is a really useful skill to be able to push back upwards, to be able to, to say, this isn't a limitless resource. So how do we work with the resource that we've got? You also do need to be able to back that up. So you do need to be able to track or map in some way the fact that you're at capacity. If your manager does not trust or believe that you're actually all working hard, then that can be quite hard to have that discussion. So you need to be able to evidence what you're saying. And then long term, there are more influencing strategies. These are things that um, we go deep on within my influence and impact framework. So we look at how can you partner with your boss, not necessarily an equal partner, but when you partner with your boss, new things become possible in terms of your relationship. We also look at the currencies of influence that you bring to the table. And then finally, one of the things that we go deep on within the framework is that fear of conflict. And I've not really touched on that here because it is a whole episode in itself, basically. But many of us have a fear of conflict, of the tension around conflict. We get our value and our sense of worth from the people around us. And so potentially creating any conflict around that, any negative feedback feels very threatening and unsafe to us. And one of the things I teach in my program is that your job title comes with authority. So even if you don't feel like you have natural authority or naturally the ability to challenge things, sometimes it is your job to challenge upwards, downwards, sideways. Sometimes that's what it looks like to do your job well and your job title gives you the authority to do that. So like usual, I've packed a lot into a short episode. You might want to take notes for this one, but I hope it will be helpful because like I said at the beginning, if we never say no, it's really easy to become overworked, frustrated, and to lose that sense of agency. And even if you are a really motivated person, that chips away at you. And if you are sitting there thinking, I'm usually really motivated, I feel so demotivated, and that's not just COVID related, it could be that it's time for you to reset some boundaries 
and to start to renegotiate um, decision by decision how your workload is given to you and your team. So um, enjoy those strategies. I would love to know how you get on with using them. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not already subscribing, please do so so that you don't miss any future episodes. And if you want to go deeper on the topics that we talk about here on the podcast, on confidence, self-doubt, imposter feelings, increasing your influence, being better at leading, then there are a few avenues that you can take. The simplest is to get yourself a copy of my book, Closing the Influence Gap. If you love this podcast, it is crazy if you don't already own that book because it's got so much of the content from the podcast in a really accessible way and so many practical tools and strategies. It's basically a practical guide for women leaders who want to be heard in the workplace. You can grab a copy in any uh, bookstore. Now, we also run a couple of open programs. Uh, we run them once or twice a year each. There is Be Bolder, our four-week confidence and assertiveness course, which is suitable for women at any level. And then there's also Influence and Impact, which is our women's leadership development program. That's a three-month small group cohort working closely with me. And then my team and I also work in-house in organisations. Sometimes that's working with women leaders, whether that's running a whole women's leadership program or running one of our really popular masterclasses for women leaders. Sometimes it's working with early to mid-career women, where we're often sharing our Be Bolder confidence and assertiveness program. We also offer gender neutral versions of that, which are becoming increasingly popular because women aren't the only people experiencing confidence challenges. And then finally, we do work with allyship and supporting men to help bring about gender equity in the workplace as well. So if you are heading up a team or a department or within your organization, you're responsible for the people function or L&D and would like to have a chat about how we can work together, I would absolutely love that. And you can go to my website and book a call or if it's simpler, head on over to LinkedIn. Let's connect and let's chat there. I would love to take working with you to the next level um, and help you to become an organization that retains and develops and supports the talented women that work for you. Mm -hmm.